Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Tim started talking about a couple weeks ago about making decisions or about decisions, making choices that make sense. And these doors up here on stage, that is what they're for. They represent the different decisions that we have to make. Anybody got a decision they're in the middle of right now? Something they're not sure what they want to do? Yeah, one person. Is that all? It's got some liars in here. There are decisions all over the place. And I don't know about you, sometimes, you know, these doors are just for looks. They don't open, right? And sometimes you feel like that when you're in, when you're in the middle of a decision-making process and you have these different opportunities and it feels like all the doors are closed. They won't open up. How do you decide which one you need to bang down? How do you know which one you need to, you know, knock on longer? And guys, we all have decisions to make and I'm very excited about this. Tim talked about last week about how the Word of God factors into our decisions. Excellent lesson. Very basic, but excellent. It's hard for me not to talk about that today because he's asked me to talk about finding the will of God in prayer. Specifically, and how prayer relates to that. And it was very difficult. Even after I started to get my head around this lesson a couple weeks ago when he asked me to do it, I kept wanting to go back to the Word of God. He's like, he's just talking about how does prayer factor into this? I mean, if we are seeking God, I think we need to be praying. Is that fair? Yeah. Prayer is a part of this. I mean, if you look at that first verse there on your notes, you look at this is what Jesus did. Jesus had a decision to make when he was here on earth. And it was to choose 12 men that he would pour his time and energy into to teach them specifically how to continue his mission after he left this earth. And let's see what he did here in Luke chapter 6. This is what it says. It says, one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles. Now, side note, I'm just wondering why it took all night. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is Jesus, the Son of God. Why did it take all night? Had he given no thought to it before? Well, I mean, we know that Jesus, while he was here on earth, it says he was completely human. He took the, he took a human body and he had to operate the same way we did. He had to go to God in prayer. And I, I would love to know what that prayer time was like. You know, what he was saying. I'm guessing he was up moving around because I'd have fell asleep if I wasn't up moving around. I don't know, but guys, what you see here is huge decision for Jesus. Major significance. And he spends all night praying about it. I mean, this was it was crunch time. This is studying for the finals time. Got to make a decision by morning. He spends the night praying. And guys, that's the way, you know, prayer should be a part of us seeking God. You have a decision to make, pray about it. That is, that is where you should be, especially the bigger the decision is, the more major decisions. And we'll get to this, get to all this in a little bit. But you see, guys, here's the thing. In, in Job 42, this is what it tells us. Job is talking to God and he says, I know you can do all things. No purposes of yours can be thwarted. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's, it's challenging to think, well, if God's purposes can't be thwarted, 
Why do I even try? I'm just going to have to do what he wants me to do. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But that's not the case, guys. The question is, are we going to work with God or are we going to work against God? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, when we talk about God's will, before we get going, I need to, I need to bring this up because there's, there's really two aspects of God's will, as I see it anyway. The first one is God's will for every human being. Every human being. He has the same purpose for. We, he designed it. He intended it. And He let us know about it. In, in Genesis chapter 1. This is what it says. It said, then God said, let us make mankind in our image. In our likeness. So that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Now guys, it was in that first sentence. He says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And we've been talking about this more and more and more here at Greater Altland, that, and, and the significance of this. Okay, this should be on our minds on a daily basis that we are made in the image of God. And if you want to put that in a more practical sense, we are made to image God. That is what images are for. A wise preacher I listened to on YouTube told me that images are designed and made to image. Okay, we are to image God. That's where we are made in his likeness. God, that's why He created humans. His intent was for us to represent Him inside this creation of His. And you want to know what your general overall purpose is. Why am I here on this earth? This is it. You can, you can go to the bank with this. Guys, this is it. I can tell you when no matter what situation you find yourself in, what does God want you to do? In a general sense, you are there to represent Him. What would God want me to do? That's the significance of Tim's lesson last week about you know seeking His will in, in His Word because His Word reveals what He's like. We don't just naturally know everything to do now, do we? We don't. Now, kind of a side note that we need to acknowledge here, and we'll get to, again, talk about this a little bit more in a minute, is that this was God's intent. But what happened in the garden is that Adam and Eve decided, uh, yeah, we don't, we don't like this. We kind of want to do things our way. Okay, we want to decide how we do things. We don't, we don't want to, we don't want to look exactly like you, God. We might disagree with some of the things you think are good and evil, and so we want to make that choice on our own for what's good and evil. And all you got to do is look around, listen to the news, and you see the repercussions of that to this day. Where there's just evil and there's chaos and there's hate. And guys, you need to realize that's from humans who have not accepted God's purpose for their life to represent Him. The second thing, guys, the second aspect, after we talk about God's will for every human, is God's will for my specific circumstances. Okay, this is what you're all waiting for, isn't it? Okay, this is where it really gets there. Well, guys, I just want to tell you, it's foolish to be concerned about God's will for your specific circumstances if you're not concerned with God's purpose for your entire life. Okay, and again, I'm getting ahead of myself, forgive me. 
But, you know, guys, when we look at our specific circumstances, you know, what job should I take? Okay, what for young people, what career should I go? What should I study in 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 school or should I not go to college? Okay, should I go into one of the trades? What what should I do? What's God's will and purpose for my life? What's he designed for me? What's he want me to do? Where does he want me to work at? Where does he want me to live? You know, maybe it's not in this area. Maybe it's somewhere else. Maybe it's, you know, what er what part of this area? What house does he want me to have? What location and type of house? I mean, all these are questions that we wrestle with. Does he want me to stay at this job or is there another job that's better? You know, am I am I wasting my talents at this job? What's the will of God here? Are these sound familiar? You, you, have you thought about some of these before? Yeah, I'm hitting. Okay, thanks, Andy. You know, guys, and that goes on. That carries into, into all kinds of areas. Children. Do we have children? When do we have children? How many children do we have? Uh, you know, guys, I, I, I mean, when you look at this, God's will in the specific circumstances of your life, I think the first thing we need to know is that God is concerned with the details of our lives. He's concerned because we can either represent him or misrepresent him with the choices that we have. And he is concerned. And not only is he concerned about these details, he wants to be involved in our choices. He's not going to leave us out here just to figure it all out by yourself. Let's look at this passage in James chapter 4. Huge passage, and you don't have to own your own business or be involved in business to for this to apply to you. He says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if. It is the Lord's will. We will live and do this or that. And you see, guys, what he's saying is God is concerned. And not only is he concerned, he wants you to involve him in these decisions. Even to the point of where you think, OK, I'm going to go to this school. I'm going to live in this town. I'm going to take this job. He's saying our thinking needs to be, instead of making those statements, this, instead of saying, I'm going to do this, we need to make the, use the statement, if the Lord wills it, I'm going to do this. At least in our mind. You know? And that's kind of become a cliche. It's an old cliche, right? Have you heard anybody say, you know, well, we'll, we'll see you next week. And they say, well, Lord willing. And I know the, the other catchphrase, and if the creek don't rise which really aged. But guys, that's the point. You know, I mean, that cliche came from this passage where people are saying, you know, Lord willing, you know, well, I'm going to put my pants on today. Lord willing, well, that's a little bit overdoing it. But God wants to be involved in these decisions and that's the whole point of what it is. Um, this is where prayer comes in. To find God's will, we need to be praying just like Jesus was the night before he chose the twelve. Alright? Now before we get started, and I want to I lay this out pretty plain. There's a, there's a goal of prayer. And the goal of prayer is to align my will with God's. Okay? 
This, this, this is huge. All right? And I'll be talking about this all through it. And I think you understand that there's, 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 there's those people who pray and it's, God, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, I need this, I need this, I like that. Here's a problem, fix it, God. You know, they gotta, gotta go to God like this, like a genie. Solve my problems for me. Give me what I want. Give me what I need. Or at least what I think I need. And guys, we need to understand that it's designed to align my will with God. See, when Jesus gave instructions on how to pray, this is what he taught. We find this in Matthew chapter 6. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Guys, this is just huge. And I, I encourage you to pray these exact words and to mean them. Okay? Because Jesus said this is what we should pray. To pray. God, we want your kingdom on earth and your will done on earth the way it is in heaven. Is that amazing? I mean, just think about that, guys. You want to see the problems of the world go away. Okay, it ain't, your vote's not gonna make the difference. Okay? You cast your vote when you pray. And you say, God, I vote for your will to be done here. Now. Now let me throw something out here, guys. This, this is just my thought. I think Jesus wants us to fool, pray this. But I think it's kind of foolish for me to pray that. And to not expect his will done in my life first. Does that make sense? You know, when you're saying it, you're saying, God, I want your will done. And, and what, and my first thought that is, is change all them folks, starting with them critters up in Washington, D.C. Change them. You know, make this world a better place. Do away with greed. Do away with racism. Make everybody get along. That would be great. No, 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 no. I don't want to get along with my spouse. I don't want to get along with that coworker who's who's wrong at work. Don't expect that of me. Don't expect me to obey my parents. Don't expect me to respect my parents. By the way, we have Charles and Ellen Tolbert here today. First time in a while. Happy to see you all. And guys, one of the big reasons they, they have health issues, but they also take care of their parents. Okay, well, I, that's you're doing the right thing, guys. Okay, awesome, incredible. Um, but guys, it's foolish to not want God's will done in your life, and that's what prayer is all about. It's when you go to God in prayer, you need to be there saying, "God, I want my will and your will to be the same." You know, this is, you know, I I want to go to this town, and I want to do this business, and I want to do that, and. I only want that to happen if that's your will. And you can go on and on with that, guys. I mean, you want to paraphrase it? You don't have to say these exact words. But mine is, God, I want what you want. I want what you want. You see, guys, Jesus spoke like this in other terms in both John and Matthew. Let's look at these passages in John chapter 14. In John 14, 15, and 16, you guys, you see this theme all through it. And 
I love these verses. He says, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Who likes the sound of that? Who wants to grab a hold of that, those words and say, let's do it. Okay? You've got to understand, God, that is not a blanket that says, ask for whatever you want. That is not a get out of jail free card. Or win the lottery card. And guys, most of you, I mean, this verse has impacted Christians for generations, if not millennia. And we know that because how do we end our prayers? We pray and we ask this all in Jesus' name. That's where this comes from. Guys, but God, Jesus, that's not what it's talking about. Jesus wasn't giving us a formula to say, this is how you end your prayers. Be sure it's at the end. Say, in my name. That's the way you, you want it to happen or you want a chance for them to happen. Say, in my name. What in my name is about and what it means is what I would want. What Jesus' will is. You ask for what Jesus wants, you're going to get it. That's what he's saying. Now understanding you're in a tough situation and you want out of that tough situation and Jesus' will is you learn to persevere. Jesus' will is you learn to love in a situation where people don't love you. You see what I'm saying here, guys? This is what it's about. Jesus wants our will to be his will. Look at this passage in Matthew chapter 18. It says, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Guys, can I tell you, I've been a part of a lot of gatherings of Christians. And though we claim the name of Christ, we weren't really there in His name. And I'll speak for me first. You know, I was there trying to do what, what I thought was best. I wasn't solid on what Jesus wanted. I had my ideas and that was what I was trying to achieve. Not necessarily, not even seeking Him for what He wanted. And guys, when we are to get together, that is what it's about. We are people who when we get together, we are people who have chosen to do His will and not our will. And that is to be the focus of our gathering. That's to be what we're all about. So if prayer is aligning my will with God's, how do you go about that? Well, I want, I got four thoughts here I want to, I want to, want to lay out here for you. The first one is that I align my will with God's when I, number one, choose His will for my life. I've already talked about that. When we talked about this, God's got this great overarching purpose for every life for us to represent Him. And you say, well, well, Gary, aren't we supposed to be like Jesus? I mean, we're followers of Jesus now. Aren't we supposed to be like Jesus? Yes, we are. We are to be exactly like Jesus. That is what we are called, is to become more and more like Jesus. And in Hebrews chapter 1, it said that Jesus was the exact representation of God. And so guys, we are designed to be that. We have, you, we've got to choose to be that. Now let me show you, tell you something. You can be saved 
in a church without choosing the will of God. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, everybody, you go, you go to church or, or, or some kind of gathering and they tell you about Jesus and, and your sins and how your sins put him on the cross and how he died for your sins and you can accept forgiveness. And you say, that's great. I want forgiveness. And you accept it and you mean it. You believe in Jesus. You believe he rose from the dead. You accept it. But have you really surrendered your will to his? That's the challenge, guys. And that's why I say the first thing is we've got to choose His will for our life. See, guys, we live in a land of freedom, don't we? We live in a land where choice is a big deal. And we have the opportunity to make choices. I think of two stories. One was back in the 90s where a husband and wife had a child... Uh, I don't remember if they had more than one child, but they had a child with leukemia. I believe it was a young girl. And they needed a bone marrow transplant for this child. And there was no matches. And what they told them was the best opportunity for a bone marrow transplant is a sibling. Well, they decided they weren't having any more children. In fact, the father had a vasectomy. Long story short, he had the vasectomy reversed and they had another child. And when that child got old enough... He was a bone marrow donor for, donor for his sister. Okay? And it's like, there was a, there was a little bit of an uproar. Some people remember this? There was a little bit of an uproar about how can you have a child simply to be a bone marrow transplant? Or, you know, for your, for your other child. You know, and what's that say to this child? This child has no choice in the situation. You've created him just for, you know, for this purpose. And guys, sometimes we feel that way about our life. What do you mean we don't have the choice to do what we want? What do you mean I don't have the choice to live where I want? To take the job that I want? To choose the spouse that I want? You mean God has a... This doesn't sound like America to me. Guys, it's, it's not. When you're a follower of Jesus, you're part of the kingdom of God. It's not America. And guys, we've got to choose His will. We have to accept that. I've got a friend right now in another state. He's about, he's 51. His wife is 43. They had their first child a year ago, June. Okay? Zoe is her name. I've yet to meet her. I look forward to meeting her. Zoe has Down syndrome. And uh, they were they were advised. I don't know if, it's adv- if the right word is advised or, or encouraged or offered an opportunity to have Zoe aborted. And they chose not to do that. And, and I have such respect for him. And I was talking to him. And I was, we got to have lunch back in May. And I was talking to him. And, and they had a miscarriage. They tried to have another child and had a miscarriage. And he says, we have, you know, gen- we're going through genetic testing to see if it's wise for us to have another child or if, you know, this was a one-off because of our age. And, and, uh, he goes, but if not, we're set up for to adopt. And I said, oh, you know, because taking care of a Down syndrome child is a lot of work. They moved to another state to be around other family. So they have extended family to help with it. And it's like, and, and this is what he told me. He said, well, you see, because of our age, we've got to make sure there's somebody to take care of Zoe. He says, well, she'll be taken care of financially. But we need a sibling who's going to oversee this. 
and do what needs to be done. And I just thought, wow. I mean, I have such tremendous respect for them and the way they are honoring the sanctity of life and the sacredness of any life. And looking even for this life to be taken care of beyond their death. But guys, at some point in time, this child that they either have or adopt is going to have to come to the realization that I'm here to take care of her. That's, that's why I'm in these circumstances. And they're going to have to make the reality, I didn't have anything to do with that decision. And that child is going to have to decide if they're going to accept that purpose in life, or they're going to reject it. And guys, right now, we're in the same situation when it comes to the will of God and Him in our life. We have a choice. Are we going to accept His will in everything? Okay? Uh, there's a story in Genesis chapter 28. I love the Old Testament stories where God doesn't have His written word and He, and he comes to people and they have decisions to make. But in, in Genesis chapter 28, there's Jacob, he's approximately 40 years old. He's left his family. His brothers commit, you know, made a vow to kill him. He's going back to the old family country to find him a wife. And uh, in the middle of this journey, he's sleeping at night and he has a dream. And you guys remember, a lot of you remember the dream where he sees heaven opened up and angels ascending and descending on this ladder going into heaven. And God speaks to him and says, hey, look, I'm going to be with you on your journey you're going to be successful, blah, blah, you know, promises him these things. And Jacob wakes up in the morning and he's like, this is wild. He says, this is the house of God. This is, this is where God comes and goes from the earth. And now he's heard stories from his father and his grandfather about this God. But in Genesis chapter 28, beginning in verse 20, this is what Jacob says. He says, then Jacob made a vow. Saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food and eat, food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give, and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. You see, guys, what you see as an example here is when people encounter God, their response is to say, my life is yours. Do with me what you want. You are my God. Now, a side note, you know, I know it started out, if you do this, he's not bargaining with God because God has already said, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to keep you safe. I'm going to provide for you. And he's saying, all right, if you're going to do that, then you're my God. He's made a choice. And guys, it's amazing. And if you, if you read through the stories, and I encourage you to do it, and, and look at these encounters, he is, he is repeatedly reaffirming this vow, reminding himself and God, you are my God. I'm one here to represent you, not me. And you see, guys, I think just like Jacob, we need to reaffirm that. And guys, I think that's what Jesus was talking about when we go into prayer. I believe that it is appropriate. It is good for us individually 
to reaffirm our commitment to Jesus every time we pray. And not just a matter of words, but to consciously think, you're my king, I want what you want. I've chosen your will, I will continue to choose your will. Number two, the second thing we want to talk about, if I'm to align my will with God's, is I need to acknowledge my will. Okay, I was listening to a uh, uh, an interview of a man that just wrote a book, by the way. His name is Rusty George. He wrote a book, After Amen. I recommend it. Haven't read it. But from the interview, it sounds worth the read. And I plan on getting it. Um, but he referred to it this way. He says, you got to give God the last 10%. And he says, what's that mean? He says, well, I got that from a church who was who they were saying, well, we're really 90% honest with each other. <laughs> you know, we tell each other 90% of what we see. <laughs> you know, we kind of hold back. You know, you really don't want to know all that I see about you. you know? And so he's, he's saying the same thing with God, is that we need to give Him the last 10%. And what that means is, God, I'll do what you want me to do, but I'm afraid. God, I don't like this. God, I've promised to do your will, but I don't want to fill in the blank. I don't want to be nice to the person at work. I want them to get fired. Alright? And you see guys, this is the most, the most incredible thing because Jesus, when he was praying in the garden, had the most incredible display of this that we can imagine. And you, most of us are familiar with it, but it's in Matthew 26. It says, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And guys, we know, if you're familiar with the stories at all, this is Jesus in the garden Hours, perhaps minutes before he's going to be arrested and taken away to be crucified and killed. And we know that he prayed this prayer three different times. And what he said was, God, find another way. I don't want to do this. I'm paraphrasing. Forgive me. I do not want to go to the cross and die. There's got to be another. Please find another way, Father. He's acknowledging His will. Jesus didn't have a desire to go to the cross. In fact, He had a desire to not go to the cross. But what does He end up with, guys? Yet not as I will, but as you will. And guys, I encourage you to do that when you're seeking the will of God in something. Say, God, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. But at the end, we've got to keep your, you've got to keep your commitment to His will. Just like Jesus. Acknowledge your will, or acknowledge my will, but keep your commitment to His will. Third thing, guys. We want to talk about is, is I need to acknowledge my privilege. Yes, sir, that's right. I'm admitting that I have privilege. And everybody that's a follower of Jesus does too. Let's talk about it, shall we?
this privilege that I'm talking about, we see in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 12. It says, in Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I love one translation. I'm not sure it's still, they still have it worded this way, but it says that we may come boldly into His presence, assured of His glad welcome. Now guys, that's, a, that's incredible because when you look at the, what Isaiah experienced when he was brought into the presence of God, he's like, I'm dead. He's like, I, I, I'm a sinner. I live among sinners and I'm dead for being here and I'm looking at God and this should not be the case. And guys, that was the reality. People who come in, in, in the Old Testament that came in the presence of God were like, I don't, oh my gosh, what have I done? I can't stand. And what he's saying is, guys, we don't have to be afraid of coming into the presence of God. Because of what Jesus has done, we can come in not as sinners, but as sons and daughters. And we can be assured of His glad welcome. You know, it's a, there's a preacher, uh, I think he's down in Louisville, Kentucky, somewhere down there, and big church, you know, all that stuff, and he got hired to be this big church, and uh, he did not. He was one of these, you know, more modern preachers who says, "I'm not going to wear a coat and tie. I don't wear a coat and tie." And there was one of the elders who that was his his big spiel, his big shtick was, "You got to wear a certain coat and tie. You got to wear a coat and tie." And he'd been warned about this guy, and he knew what the guy was going to say. What the guy was going to say was. I think we ought to give our best to God. And he was going to use the illustration that if your father was president, no, 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 he said, if you were visiting the president, gave the punchline, if you were going to visit the president, wouldn't you want to give him your best? And because the preacher had had some time to think about it, he said, well, not if he's my father. You know, if he's my father, I don't feel obligated to put on a coat and tie to come see my father. Because then I'm not coming to see the president of the United States. I'm coming to see my father. And guys, we need to understand that. The, the God of the universe has given us the privilege of being in his presence. Now let me, let me ask you, how conscious of you, how many of you when you were bowing your heads to pray, are you thinking about, I'm in the presence of God. Okay, or is it more like we're throwing our prayers into the air for Him to find? You know, He gathers them, and we don't really even think about it. And why do I say that, guys? Because when you're in the presence of God, you see things you don't normally see. Okay? There's, there's a passage I want to read to you. It's not in your notes. Okay? It's, uh, it's in First John chapter 1. Verses 5 through 10 says, this is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar and His word is not in us. Guys, when you look at this passage, it is plain. God is light. What happens when you walk in the light? Very simple. The darkness within each of us is exposed. If you're in the presence of God and His light is exposing the darkness within you, what's required? Confession. You need to acknowledge it. See, I bring that all up, guys, and I look at this verse because being in the presence of God is something I think a lot of us really aren't comfortable with. We want to give God our prayers. Okay? Right? We want Him to hear our requests. Even our, our acknowledgement of Him and our choosing of His will. But we don't really want Him to look too close at me. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? You know, we go to God to give Him our words, not necessarily to let Him talk to us. But this is what it's saying. That's what happens when you're in the presence of God is the darkness within us, our sin, our unlikeness of God is exposed. Now guys, it's a privilege to be in the presence of God. It's an honor to have that exposed. And to know that we're forgiven. We can have it washed away. In fact, it is washed away. You see guys, i got to be honest with you. I have neglected this privilege for most of my adult life. It's only been the last few years that I've really, really focused on it and thought about it. You see, it's easier just to say words, believing He's hearing, than it is to say the same words of confession sitting in His presence. And guys, I think this is something we just need to be aware of. When you're serious about doing the will of God, if you're serious about aligning your will with His, we need to be sitting in His presence and let Him speak to us. And guys, that doesn't happen if we're not open to that reality. Look at this passage here real quick in Psalm 73. And I'm gonna, we're gonna close out later on reading this whole, the whole passage of Psalm 73. But this is what it says. It says, when I tried to understand this, it troubled me deeply. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. And what did he, he's going on and he's, he's, the psalmist is going on and on about how bad things are in the world and bad people are prospering and evil people are prospering and I'm frustrated and bad things happen to me and I don't understand this. And he says, till I entered the sanctuary of God. You see guys, sometimes, if I'm honest, there's times I don't want to understand God's will. I don't. See, I want to hang on to how I feel. I want to hang on to my hurts. This idea of coming before Jesus and saying, and hearing Jesus tell me, uh, yeah, I have a problem forgiving you because you haven't forgiven this person that hurt you. 
You see, I'm a God of forgiveness. I've forgiven you and I've forgiven everybody in the world that comes to me for all the hurt they've done to me, all the rejection of me, their lives, even after they committed their lives to me and they stumble and they fall and they sin, I forgive them and you're supposed to be like me. But you see, I want to hang on to the hurt. I want to hang on to, I want to justify my feelings, my arrogance, and sometimes even my misunderstandings of God. And you see, guys, going into the presence of God, you lay all that out there and you're saying, show me what needs to be taken off. Show me what needs to be done. Show me what I need to do. The last idea we want to talk about, guys, if I'm to align my will with God's is to reject the enemy's deceptions. And I know I'm going longer than I planned on here. But guys, you need to understand deception is the primary attack of the enemy. Jesus described the devil as the father of lies, a liar from the beginning. You, you just do your own word search in the book, in, in the New Testament for deceive. And how many times it just flat out says, do not be deceived. Okay? Uh, in 1 Corinthians 3, that's what it says. Do not deceive yourselves. This isn't in your notes. It says, if any one of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. The thoughts of the wise are futile. Don't be deceived. Guys, deception, and we fall into it. Look at this passage. There's two passages here. One in 2 Corinthians 11. It says, but I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. See, guys, we're not immune to it just because we've accepted Jesus. We're not immune to it just because we acknowledge the will of God and have accepted it and make efforts to align our will with His. Deception is a problem. And I think it's particularly a problem when we come to some of these decisions that we're wanting to make about, and we're wanting to know the will of God, and we have our own ideas already in place. It's easy to deceive. In fact, one of the things I pray in these situations is, I mean, I, I, I have a decision to make, and, and, and all the doors are looking open. And it's like, why aren't you running through? I have one big hesitation to just running through that door because everything seems open. I've told God this. You know what that, you know what my problem is? That's what I want. <laughs> That's what I want because I know I can be deceived by what I want. I know I can interpret open doors or closed doors as open or, or interpret circumstances to be in an open door when, when it's just what I want. That's happened so many times to me. So many times. And so guys, we've got to acknowledge the enemy's deceiving. He's deceptive. That's what he's chasing. I love this passage in 2 Timothy 3. It says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted while evildoers and imposters go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Guys, we live in a world of deception. Okay, you know, fake news is real. 
there is news that is fake. Okay? I, 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 I come up with a phrase, and maybe it's not mine, but I didn't, I don't know where I heard it, but it's called <coughs> Facebook facts. You know, well, I read somewhere. Where'd you read on Facebook? Yeah. Did you do any verification? No. You don't have to like Ronald Reagan, but his trust but verify is a great, great line. You know, guys, there's deception. And I don't care what your political thought is. You're being attacked. You're being asked to be deceived that something is from God when it is not. And so, guys, listen, I don't know where you are. I think it's so important to acknowledge our desires and our will to God because we do not want to be deceived. You want to know more about this? Go back to Second Chronicles 18 uh, and look at the story of Ahab and his desire. He wanted to be deceived. He wanted, we refused to listen to the prophet of God until forced to because that guy never told him anything good. And he had over 400 prophets who told him what he wanted to hear. He wanted to be deceived. And guys, that's the danger. Uh, like I said, I wanted to close out here. I want to read this entire psalm of Psalm 73. And then a few closing words will be done. I know this is in your notes. You'll just have to listen to me. It says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts come iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always carefree. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain... I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocent. All day long I've been afflicted and every morning bring new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed. Completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart might fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. 
Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Guys, can you see it in there? When you look at that passage, can you see him choosing God's will while acknowledging his desire and bringing it into the presence of God and the deceptions fading away? He was understanding. See, guys, I think the challenge is so many times when we're seeking the will of God, it's troubling to us. But the problem is we're not willing to align our will with God's. That's the challenge. Guys, God invites you to experience the peace that He offers when we align our will with His. I don't know if you caught that, but there at the end, the psalmist, Psalm 73, if you want to go back and read it yourself, I encourage you. But the peace that I felt when He got to the end of that, where it's like, ah, they're going to get theirs. I don't need to worry about the evil folks. They're going to get theirs. I just want to do God's will. I want to tell people about you. Guys, today I pray, I encourage you, I challenge you to align your will with God in prayer as you seek His will in your decisions. Let's pray. Father, it is incredible to look at Your Word. It is incredible to look at these stories of your followers in the past and Father, how you've revealed yourself, how you've answered prayers and Father, quite honestly, how you've, you've, made, you've laid it out very plainly for us. Father, when, when, when we have a frustration, we have a misunderstanding or, or an ignorance, it's on us. Father, it's not from you. And so Father, I, I am just amazed Father, you offer us an end to our frustration and real answers by coming into your presence and aligning our will with yours. Father, that's my prayer. Father, I pray that we are that kind of people, that we are your followers who trust you enough to choose your will over ours. And it's in Jesus, our King, that we bring all this before you. Amen.